we stand this evening, we're just going to pray and then we'll open the word. Lord Jesus, we stand in your presence here in this place, Lord. Lord God, that I pray that our ears would be open to hear your word. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be ready to receive from you. Lord God, I ask you, Jesus, to use me as your servant to break the bread, oh God, and serve your people this night. Ask for your anointing, oh Lord God. Ask for you to have your way and do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn with me this evening to Matthew 16 and 6. Put your finger there, go to Mark 8 and 15. The other references I have is Matthew 13, 33. And you don't have to turn to Galatians 5 and 9, but that's the other reference. Matthew 16 and 6. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And Mark 8 and 15 says, And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And then Matthew 13 and 33, he said, Another parable spake he unto them, And he said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Galatians 5 and 9 tells us that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven is a substance that is added to dough to to make it ferment and rise. Although baker's yeast is the most common form of leaven used in bread and bakery products today, The type of leaven used in ancient times was naturally cultivated by mixing flour, water and salt and allowing enough time for the process of fermentation to take place. Throughout the process, the mix is fed with flour, watered and kept in a warm environment to allow the yeast and the bacterial spores naturally contained in flour to work together to develop a stable culture getting a science lesson tonight. The bacteria ferments the starch which the yeast cannot process and the yeast processes the sugar producing carbon dioxide gas causing the mix to bubble and grow. Once the mix is is established it becomes what is known as the starter or leaven as described in the scripture. Only a portion of it is required to make a loaf of bread. The remainder can be stored for later use in a cool environment, in a fridge, in somewhere cool back then, where it goes to sleep. To use this leaven again, it must be refreshed by feeding it flour and water and giving it time to wake up 
As long as the leaven is fed, it will continue to grow. When I was a child, there were times when I would come home from school and mum would ask the question, who have you been hanging out with? Actually, she said, who were you playing with? Because she wouldn't have said hanging out. She didn't just ask the question because she she genuinely wanted to know and be acquainted with my friends. She usually only asked the question because something had changed in my behavior. Something I said or did was out of character for me, and she knew it had to have rubbed off from someone else. Recently, I spent a little time with Brother Peter McCullum's family, and I recognized a few mannerisms that Brother Peter has that his brother-in-law also has. They have known each other for a long time and obviously have spent many hours together. W. Clement Stone, a businessman, philanthropist and author, was attributed with saying, Be careful the environment you choose, for it will shape you. Be careful the friends you you choose, for you will be like them. And Dr. Steve Maraboli, an American writer and behavioral science academic, said, If you hang out with chickens, you're going to cluck. And if you hang out with eagles, you are going to fly. Daniel. Just a little uh, presentation this evening. These people obviously spend too much time with their dogs. Proverbs 13 and 20 tells us that he that walketh with the wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. This evening I want to talk to you about the power of influence. Influence is defined as the capacity or power to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something. It is also known as the effect itself. In its, most base, in its most basic form, influence is about change. It can be very direct and obvious, and it can be subtle. It either happens or it doesn't. There are said to be four types of influence, negative, neutral, positive, and life-changing. Negative influence is the most damaging. When something is a negative influence, it encourages bad behavior, thoughts, and attitude. This kind of influence corrupts that which is good. Galatians 5 and 9 warns us, Be not not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. A neutral influence has minimal effect in that it neither adds or takes away from behavior or thoughts or attitudes. A positive influence adds value to that which is being influenced It's more than being optimistic as it improves and encourages positive behavior and attitudes. Life-changing influence is the most valuable of the types of influence as it impacts in a way that causes permanent change. If someone has a life-changing influence, they invest their life and focus on serving to help other people to become successful in life. They sacrifice their own desires and needs 
to add to the lives of other people. When we compare these definitions of the forms of influence, we can see the ones which have the most impact and begin to make the connection with leaven. Leaven is not a neutral influence because leaven is effective. Its influence influence is seen and noticeable because it grows. It's not a positive influence which brings some improvement and encourages positive behaviour. It doesn't give give us a little bit of growth and a little bit of change. But leaven is pervasive influence that modifies and transforms as it penetrates the whole dough. It influences the whole lump. There isn't any part of the dough that is not affected by the leaven. Its consistency and appearance is visibly altered. Therefore, leaven is is either a negative influence or a life-changing influence, as these are the influences that are powerful and that they bring obvious change, whether detrimental or beneficial, the effects will be seen. They both have the capacity, impact and power to change the direction of one's life. We must be aware of the influences we choose to place on our life, what we choose to grow. Who and what we listen to, who and what we watch, who and what we hear, who we spend time with, what we spend time doing, will feed our mind and in doing so, it will influence our behaviour, thought patterns and ultimately our character, whether we realise it or not. What we feed will grow. The scripture draws a parallel between sin and leaven. The Old Testament law defines sin for us. It directly reveals what God declares to be sin and how it makes him feel. To say that he doesn't like it is an understatement. The laws given to Israel teach us the principle that sin doesn't just stain the vessel, but it corrupts it completely. We see this principle in many of the laws of the Old Testament. For example, if a part of your body touched something that was unclean, whether intentional or unintentional, you were deemed unclean. You didn't just wash that part of the body. If it was your hand, you just didn't go and wash your hand. You had to wash your whole self and even the clothes you were wearing and anything else that you had touched while you were unclean. And once you were washed, then you had to be separated from the community until the evening when you were considered clean again. A little leaven leavens the whole lump and a little sin defiles the whole person. There were some sins under the Old Testament law that were punishable by death. That may seem rather harsh to us, but we must remember that God understands the nature of sin better than we do. He not only sees the damage it does to one person, but how that sin, if left undealt with, can spread and corrupt the whole community. God had called Israel to be a holy nation. That means they were not to be like any of the nations that surrounded them. None of the sins found in the other nations, none of the sins that the other nations were known for were to be found in Israel. Murder, kidnapping, immorality of any kind, idolatry, witchcraft, any occultistic practices, rebellion including disrespecting or striking of parents and disrespecting the name of God were all sins punishable by death. Sin is serious business 
And God has not only gone out of his way to define it for us, he went out of his way and made a way for us to escape its influence and its wages. Our carnal nature is naturally drawn to the negative influence of sin. It craves it. This is why it's so important for us to die to ourselves and not to yield to our carnal nature. The only way leaven isn't effective is if it's dead. The only way to deal with a negative influence is to kill it before it spreads, before it works its way into every part of our lives and brings destruction. This is why repentance is so important. A little leaven, if it's left to live, will affect the whole lump. Jesus warns his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and of Herod. In Luke 12 and 1, Jesus reveals the leaven of the Pharisees to be hypocrisy. According to the Oxford Dictionary, hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have higher standards or more noble beliefs than is the case. Simply put, hypocrisy is living a lie. A hypocrite pretends to have certain beliefs, attitudes and feelings when they don't. They hide their true characteristics or tendencies behind a false appearance of true of virtue and goodness. Jesus used the Pharisees as an object lesson for the disciples. He was preparing them for a time when they would be exalted to leadership and people would look to them for direction. He was showing them that hypocrisy was a facade that God saw through and it didn't please him. Jesus could not do false because he was truth. Those that live under the influence of hypocrisy live under the influence of the father of lies. John 8 and 4, 4, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees says to them, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Hypocrisy was deception. Hypocrisy was deception, is deception, false, and the act of living a lie. Jesus warned the disciples not to undermine the power or the influence of hypocrisy. It was like leaven. When it's first added to a dough, it's present but not immediately noticed. But over time, if left undealt with, it will grow and infiltrate all that is, all that is said and done. Like the, just like the dough under the influence of leaven, it grows and puffs up. Pride, a critical nature, and self-righteousness seeps through and becomes the part of the character of a hypocrite. Jesus taught against hypocrisy as part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 2, the Amplified Classic reads, For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. And in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others, it will be dealt out to you again. This is a warning against a judgmental spirit and hypocrisy. Jesus goes on to tell the parable about a man who has a beam of timber sticking out of his eye and he kind of notices that his brother has a little splinter. And so he decides that he needs to help his brother. How on earth he was going to do that with a log sticking out of his eye, I don't know. But he was, it was like he was totally unaware of his own fault. But he could clearly see that his brother had a splinter in his eye. And Jesus calls the man with the beam of timber in his eye a hypocrite and instructs him to deal with his own eye first. 
Remove the beam out of thine own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Beware of the leaven of hypocrisy. Ananias and Sapphira wanted so badly to be seen as virtuous and good. They had seen the praise that Barnabas and others had received when they sold their land and laid it at the um, and laid the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. They wanted a piece of that action. They wanted a piece of that praise, but without the complete sacrifice. So they came up with the plan. They would sell a piece of land and only give a portion of the sale price as an offering. Now, there was no harm in that, but in order to be seen as wonderful as Barnabas, they agreed to say that the amount that they were giving was the total amount they had received for the sale of that land. What they did not count on was the Holy Ghost revealing their deception to Peter. In Acts 5 and 3 and 4, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it, was, it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. God strikes Ananias dead, and a little while later, Sophia, uh, Sophia, Sophia, sorry, Sapphira walks in, and Peter asks her, Did you sell the land for so much? And she said, Yep, that's what we got for it. And in Acts 5 and 9, in the um, Amplified Classic, Peter says to you, How could you two have agreed and conspired together to try to de- deceive the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Hypocrisy is deception. Deception is a lie. And lying is a sin and will separate us from God. Like leaven, it has the power to grow and spread its effect and corrupt the church. In the book of Revelation, Jesus gives John a message to pass on to the pastors of the seven churches of Asia. The messages read like a report card listing what they had that was right and the areas in which they were failing. The only difference is that the areas in which they were failing brought their grade down to an unacceptable level. These things are pointed out not to pass out Fs, but to give the churches instructions on how to bring their grades up to a pass. Although these churches no longer exist and their members have gone on to their reward, their messages are still relevant for us today. They're not recorded for the sake of recording history, but they are there that we might know what God is looking for in our lives individually and as a congregation, that we might look into the mirror and see a resemblance that needs to be repented of or continued in. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us as individuals. One of the churches Jesus addresses is the church at Sardis. The church in Sardis had made a name for itself in that region. Outwardly, it appeared to be alive and active. Outwardly, it looked like a successful church. But inwardly, Jesus saw they were dead. They had traded real spirituality with outward success and influence. They had become like the Pharisees, religious and pretty, but no spiritual life. 
Jesus had called the Pharisees whited sepulchres or tombs, beautiful on the outside but inside full of dead men's bones. Jesus said of the church in Sardis, thou livest and art dead. It is possible for us to look like we are a new creature in Christ and yet be dead. It is possible for us to go through the motions of Christian living and yet be asleep. It's possible to look the part and play the part in public and yet be far from it in our private world. Hypocrisy had defiled the church in Sardis, but there was hope for them if they would repent. A paraphrase of Revelation 3 and 2 says, Wake up and strengthen and reaffirm what remains of your faithful commitment to me, to me which is about to die. For I have not found any of your deeds completed or perfect in the sight of God, neither do they meet his requirements. Jesus urges them to wake up to be watchful because if they don't he would come as a thief and they would not know the hour that he would come to them and although the church in Sardis was defiled by hypocrisy there were some there that had not come under the influence and they had managed to keep the leaven of hypocrisy from defiling them they had managed to keep their garments white it is possible to be surrounded by negative influence and not be affected the only way to do this is to be guarded and to be under a different, powerful influence. The other leaven that Jesus refers to when warning against leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, Matthew 16 and 6, and of Herod in Mark 8 and 15 was their doctrine. Doctrine is defined as a belief or a set of beliefs held and taught by a church, political party or other group. Doctrine or teaching has a powerful influence and it has the capacity to it have an effect on the character development behavior on someone because it can change someone's thinking jesus understood the influence of doctrine and this is why he likened it to leaven because even a small amount can influence the hearers to believe something that is not true pharisees and the sadducees were two of the most prominent religious groups in judaism herod was the ruling king their doctrine their teachings did not align with the word of god their belief system either added to it, took away from it, contradicted, contradicted it, or nullified it. Any doctrine that does not align with the word of God is false. In essence, this is what Jesus is talking about. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees had beliefs that stemmed from the law of Moses, yet they were very different in their approach to the law and its application. The Pharisees were students of the law and believed that the law compromised of two parts, the written, which was the, the law of Moses, and the oral, which was made up of Jewish traditions that were passed down from generation to generation. And the revelations given, and they also, so the oral law was tradition that they had been passed down and revelations of the prophets um, who came after Moses. Their leaders were referred to as rabbis and they gave themselves to piety and learning. As students of the law, they believed God allowed men to use their reasoning ability to interpret the written law and apply it to current problems instead of just taking the law at face value. In order to fulfill the interpretation of the law for their current problem, they often created and added more laws for the Jews to follow. This caused problems when the laws they put in place became outdated and new laws then had to be applied. 
Their approach to salvation was legalistic in that they believed and taught that salvation came by obedience to God's law and the extra laws that they had added. The doctrine of the Pharisees over time evolved into a combination of men's ideas, Jewish tradition and God's word. With the traditions of men and their own laws often superseding and invalidating portions of the word of God. And we see this in Mark 7 and 13 when Jesus says that they made the word of God of none effect through their tradition, which, they had, been, which had been delivered and, much, and many such like things you do. Beware of the doctrine of Pharisees. Beware of teaching that rejects the commandments of God so that men's con- traditions can continue. Jesus also said in Mark 7 and 9, Full well you reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. There are those today that come under the banner of Christianity that would have us believe that the word of God should be interpreted using men's reasoning. They may profess a belief in Jesus, but they hold to the traditions of man rather than the written word of God. In their attempt to remain true to their doctrine in a changing society, they have combined their ideas, traditions and the word of God added laws to help apply these teachings to current situations that must be obeyed in the, and in their efforts have come up with another gospel, which is not another. In their attempt to interpret the scriptures with their own thinking, they have perverted the gospel of Christ, which was delivered by the apostles, forever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They may be open to the move of the Holy Ghost as long as their traditions remain secure and their laws remain intact. Beware of the leaven of the doctrine of the Pharisees. One small change to truth corrupts what is true and it will grow. At first, it will still resemble truth, but the end result is something completely different and far from God. The Sadducees belonged to the wealthy upper class sector of Jewish society. They were priests and members of the Sanhedrin. Their affluence meant that they were exposed to secular education and their lives reflected it. The Sadducees embraced secular ideas while maintaining their priestly duties within the temple. When it came to the law of God, they believed and taught that the written law was the only source of revelation from God. They rejected all other texts outside of the written law. While they appeared to uphold the law of God, they denied many of its teachings. They rejected the supernatural, including miracles, angelic beings, immortality, and did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They also rejected the idea of the judgment to come. The Sadducees were political in their dealings with Roman rulers and willing to compromise to maintain their favour. They were far from the Levitical priesthood of of the law of Moses. They were far from God. There are those today that come under the banner of Christianity that say they believe in God, yet they reject the word of God. They do not believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. They believe that scripture is subject to private interpretation. They embrace secular ideas of tolerance and no absolutes, rejecting the idea of sin and impending judgment, yet they still call themselves Christians. They reject the supernatural and declare the Holy Ghost infilling as a phenomenon of the past. 
They compromise with the world for material gain and for political and social favour. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees who, have, who, having a form of godliness, deny the power thereof, who teach damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that, brought, that, who, that bought them, who are neither hot or cold, who un, are increased with goods and yet have nothing. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees who mix worldly ideas and philosophies with the word of God, lest ye be spoiled and follow after the basic principles principles found in the world and not after Christ. The leaven of Herod is the doctrine of the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 2-4 gives us a list of behaviours that are being promoted within our culture and society right now. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent or morally loose, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Herod was under the influence of the prince of this world. When men disobeyed God, they handed over the, over the dominion of the earth to Satan. He is the prince of the world and his influence is constantly at work. Herod believed in pleasure Herod was selfish and power hungry. In fact, Roman rulers considered themselves to be deities and therefore a law unto themselves. The leaven of Herod continues to work in the world today. This is the doctrine of the leaven of our culture and the society we live in. We must guard our heart against these behaviours, these attitudes, lest they embed themselves in us and like leaven infiltrate our thoughts our behaviours, our attitudes, and spill out and creep into the church. All seven churches addressed in the book of Revelation were encouraged to overcome. They all had to fight negative influence, whether it was false doctrine, worldly ideology, or attitudes that had crept in and misaligned them with the word of God. The changes were not pleasing to God. The leaven had corrupted all those that had been influenced by it. In some cases, there were those that managed to keep themselves from being tainted by the leaven, but there were only a few. A bit like salvaging fruit from a basket with a rotten apple. Only the ones that are furthest away from the rotten fruit, if caught in time, are safe. The warnings of the churches are there for us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church to examine our influences, lest our position in the kingdom is endangered. We must constantly check ourselves, align our thinking, doctrine and behaviour with the word of God. We must stay under the influence of the Holy Ghost. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of negative influence may seem harmless, but influence is powerful. And when it is at work, it affects the whole lump. Just as leaven influences the dough, the dough responds to the leaven and the leaven dictates the growth. It is important to know which power of influence we are under because that is what will dictate the direction of our life. Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of heaven is also like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. 
of the four influences spoken about earlier, this is life-changing influence. It's the most valuable of the types of influence and it's the kingdom of heaven because it impacts in a way that causes permanent change. We receive the kingdom of heaven when we're born again of water and spirit as the apostles laid out for us. Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is the starter. It is the leaven that when applied will grow. If we allow and submit to its influence, it will infiltrate our very being. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven because it impacts every part of our life and the change is noticeable to everyone. It consumes us. As it grows, it influences our social activities, our behavior, our thinking, our language, our work ethic, our education, our families, our relationships. Just like leaven affects the whole dough, the kingdom of heaven affects our entire life. Like the dough must yield to the working of the leaven, we must yield to the life-changing influence of the kingdom. And when we do, we will not only act different, but we will look different. We will never be the same again. We will become selfless and prefer others above ourselves. We will be willing to lay down our own desires to serve in the kingdom and help others. The life-changing influence of the kingdom of heaven produces righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And each time we present ourselves in prayer, we place ourselves under the influence of the kingdom of heaven. Each time we come together to worship, we submit ourselves to the influence of the kingdom of heaven. Every time his presence meets with us, we touch the influence of the kingdom of heaven. When we read and study his word, we are choosing to allow the influence of the kingdom of heaven to work in our lives. Even when we come together to fellowship as the body of Christ, we are allowing the influence of the kingdom of heaven to work in our lives. The, king, the leaven of the kingdom of heaven is not a neutral influence. And if it has not impacted you in a life-changing manner, perhaps you are not under its influence. It is not a positive influence that brings some improvement, you know, and encourages positive behavior. Life just got better and things are going smoothly. It's more than that. If there has been no drastic change, then perhaps you stop and examine the influence that you are under. The life-changing influence of the kingdom of heaven turned the world upside down in the book of Acts. This is the impact the kingdom of heaven needs to have in our life. Just as the dough must give itself completely to the control of the leaven, we choose which leaven we will be influenced by. We do not have to strive to stay under the negative influence. That's our default setting because of sin. However, we must strive and make a concerted effort to stay under the influence of the kingdom of heaven. The scripture instructs that we should seek after the kingdom of God. That is to continually make a diligent effort and continually be absorbed in his kingdom, that he may rule and demonstrate his power in our life through the Holy Ghost. Not just so that we can feel good when we come to church, but that by the power of his spirit, we can see lost souls saved. 
we can see the captives delivered, the bruised set at liberty, the blind receive their sight, the lame to walk and the sick healed, and the name of Jesus magnified. This is the kingdom Jesus showed us. It's not a physical domain, but it lives and works in us. Do not estimate the power of influence. We will be influenced. If we're not under the power of the life-changing influence of the kingdom of heaven, we will yield to our carnal nature and automatically place ourselves under a negative influence that the changes that come may be slight at first, but over time will lead to destruction. If you would stand tonight. Ask us tonight that we would search our hearts and ask the Lord to show us what influence we are under. Sisters Denka, if you would come. The kingdom of heaven does not accept dual citizenship. In fact, scripture teaches that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot be under the, under the powerful influence of two opposing forces. The churches in Revelation show us that we must meet all of God's criteria. We just can't have some things sort of right. He's looking for his reflection. He's looking for his image. He's merciful and just as he offers instructions and correction to the churches in Asia. And he's willing to help us identify the areas which have not come under his influence. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants us to be, he wants to be the all-powerful influence in our lives. He wants to take us, mold us, and make us into the bread that looks like him. That those outside of the kingdom that partake of our lives can taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to be like him. That means I have to do a whole lot of hanging out with him. I want his characteristics to be found in me. I want to look like him. Are we willing to submit to the leaven of the kingdom of heaven? Are we willing to become his dough? Are we willing to let go of some things, activities, even people that are not a good influence that his purpose may be fulfilled in our lives? Are you willing to overcome the negative influence in your life and give complete control to the life-changing influence of the kingdom of heaven? I invite you to come. Revelation 3 and 5 says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3 and 6, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Pray that you can hear the Word of God tonight. Examine your heart. Negative influences are so easy. They just get in really quickly. And we're not even aware until our behavior starts changing. Until we have a niggle with someone that we don't like and I don't want to go to church and I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that and we start to live by our feelings instead of what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. Which influence are you under tonight? Is the kingdom of of heaven the leaven in your life? Will you allow it to work?
that his will and purpose would be fulfilled, that this would be his domain, that I would be his domain, where he rules and he reigns and he speaks. And I listen. Hallelujah. Won't you come?